Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And this is God's word. Good morning, everyone. My name is Andrew. Welcome to worship. Man, I'm so excited to preach this sermon because two years ago, I had the honor and privilege of speaking at Metro for the first time. It was on this passage. It was on anxiety. And for the past two years, I came back to this passage over and over again because uh, to be honest, I'm a very anxious person. I, I struggle with a lot of different things, but this passage helped me to process it. But I'm still processing it. If you're like me in some ways trying to process some of the things that's going on in your life, take a ride with me. Let's do this together. Today's topic is on anxiety, and I think it's relatable for most of us. I mean, one professor at a university said this, the generation as a whole, millennials and Gen Z, are the most educated generation than previous generation, yet the path to success is less clear. Therefore, this generation that we are living in is the most anxious generation than any previous generations. Friends, some of you guys are really anxious. Some of you guys are anxious about what to wear tomorrow morning. You guys look great, by the way. <laughs> you know, some of you guys maybe want, you know, anxious about what to, what filter you use in Instagram. Some of you guys may be anxious about different things in life, like school, grace, future, family, health, COVID. What are we supposed to make of it? David Pallison, one of my favorite writers, he said, anxiety is is like the red light flashing on your car's dashboard. When the check engine light goes on, you know something's wrong with your car. You don't know exactly what it is. It could be oil change. It could mean something really big, like you got to change your car. You don't know exactly what it is, but you know it's time to visit the mechanic. Friends, let me introduce you to our spiritual mechanic. His name is Jesus, and he's going to answer three questions. 
What is anxiety? Why are we anxious? How can we overcome our anxiety? What, why, and how? First point, what is anxiety? Verse 25. It starts with therefore. Now, when you read Bible, um, in, like in your spare time, like you, when you read therefore, you always have to pay close attention to the passage before. Because therefore could be translated as because of this, for this reason, or so. You know, it's a logical flow. So Jesus, in the passage before, he says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. He's pretty much warning us, hey, don't store up treasure on earth. It's where moth and rust can destroy, meaning it doesn't last, and where thieves can come and steal, meaning it could be taken from you. I'm the greatest treasure in heaven. I'm with you. Therefore, do not be anxious about food and clothes. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, reap, or store. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So Jesus is uh, talking to a lot of people, and one of the most common occupation was farming. Farmers, what they do is they sow, right? They sow seeds to reap what grows, and so that they could gather and store it in a barn. Now, let me talk about food real quick. Food, we eat it, we digest it, and it sustains us. But it doesn't just sustain us. When we eat it, it satisfies us. It fills us up. It makes us happy in some ways. So friends, what makes you satisfied? What makes you happy? What, what makes you feel like, oh, this completes me? Whatever it is, our passage is telling us that we work really hard for it. Some of you sow your studies to reap the good grace so that you could gather and store it in your resume for future job application. Some of you sow your relationships to reap attention and approval so that you could gather it and store it in your heart. Some of you sow in your efforts in your career to reap compliments and and a an accomplishment so that you could gather it and store it in your status. Hmm. Birds don't do this. Jesus is saying birds don't look for work. They don't look for relationship. They don't work as hard as you do. Look at how God feeds them. Aren't you more valuable? Now, when I was confronted with this question, you know, I couldn't help but to say, yeah, sure. Sure. I'm more valuable. But what value is there in my life if I can't have what satisfies me, what fills me up? Verse 27 is very helpful. He says, who of you by warning can add a single hour to his life? He's talking about control. So to answer the question, what is anxiety? Anxiety is the moment when you realize that you don't have as much control over your life as you thought you did. Is having no assurance of whether you're going to receive or gain what you thought would satisfy you or fill you. But even after you have it, you don't know if you're going to continue to have it. So let's say that you, don't, you study really hard. You don't know if you're going to get that grade. Even after you get it, you don't know if the next one is going to be just as good. Even after you get that promotion, right, you don't know if you're going to continue to have that. Let's say that you don't know if you'll find someone special in a few years. Even after you find someone, isn't it true that some of us are wondering 
and are, are scared that if they really know me, they might not be faithful. That's anxiety. But why are we anxious about these things? Second point, why are we anxious? Verse 28, why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed, or in the ESV it says arrayed, like one of these. If that is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Clothes, they, they're an essential part of our life. They cover us. When it's hot or cold, when you wear it, it keeps us warm or it, it, it keeps us cool, depending on the weather. But food doesn't just, I mean, clothes, excuse me, doesn't just cover us. It, depending on the brand, it gives us a different image. It gives us a different status. So, what status do you work hard to obtain? How do you labor or spin to dress or array yourself in splendor? Essentially, what I'm asking is this. What image are you hoping to portray? Do you, do you want to be known for your beauty, charisma, attractiveness? Do you want to be known for your intelligence, your, your credibility? Do you want to be known as someone that's faithful, nice, and good? So do you come out to church and do you participate in church activities? See, whatever it is, you guys work hard for it. You labor and you toil. However, doing this might make you actually more anxious. You know, how many of you guys, I'm, I'm, I wonder if you're like me, like how many of you guys go to bed at night and you, you think back on your days and you wonder, oh man, why did I say that? Oh, shh. No? Yeah, it seems like some of you guys, you know, I, oh man, I, why did I do that? You know, like you, you often rethink about your day and you wonder because you want a specific image and you don't know if you'll have it. And even after you have it, you don't know if it'll continue. Some of you guys are so fear, uh, afraid of failure that you guys don't want to do anything new. You guys don't want to take a chance and you're anxious. See, whatever you're trying to array yourself in, it might make you more anxious because you don't know if you'll really have it or you continue to have it. Now, I want to always make this clear for us. Having these things, working for these things, the food and clothes in our lives, they're not bad things. They're actually things that you need. I mean, Jesus uses the necessities in our life to say, your heavenly father knows you need them. He doesn't say the Heavenly Father. He says your Heavenly Father. Your Heavenly Father that really cares for you, loves you, knows. But he also knows what you really need. So let me answer the question. Why are we anxious? Jesus answers, oh, you of little faith. Notice, he doesn't say no faith. He says little faith. See, our anxiety doesn't stem from a lack of faith. In fact, it's too, putting too much faith on things that are not God. Because our anxiety is not a byproduct of having no faith, but having tremendous amount of faith on things that are little. Anxiety is really misplaced faith. 
We are placing our hope and our faith in things of this earth that will fill us, satisfy us, array us as our Savior. We are placing our faith in our grades and resume and our promotions and our status at work to save us from our future uncertainties. We're placing our faith in our relationships to save us from our loneliness, our void, our past mistakes. We're placing our faith in our image to save us from our insecurities. We're anxious because we put too much faith on things that are not God. It's not because you have no faith. That's what I thought growing up. I'm anxious because, well, I don't have enough faith. No, you have a lot of faith. It's just misplaced. So what saves you from your anxiety? One commentator said, it's not the intensity of your faith, but the object of the faith that saves you. What do I mean? Imagine that you're falling from the sky or from a high place, right? What are you going to grab onto that's going to save you? Your phone, your resume ain't going to save you. What is that going to do? You're falling. Grabbing onto your family, your children, your spouse, that ain't going to save you. Both y'all going to die. The only thing that's going to save you is the right object if you hold on to a parachute. What does that look like in our life? Let me explain in my third and last point. How to overcome our anxiety. Verse 31. So, which is, you know, translated as therefore, uh, do, not be, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Verse 32, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Therefore, because I value more than the birds in the air and the lilies of the field, don't be anxious. Even pagans run after these things. Whether you've been coming to church for a very long time, or you just came, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, we're all on the same page because we all struggle with the same thing. Our great faith that's misplaced. That means the same prescription, the same thing that, that means the, the cure for anxiety that Jesus prescribes is the same for all of us. And he says, verse 33, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's the cure. Friends, I grew up in a church, and when I read this passage, when I, when I read that verse, I thought it was so obvious, like, well, yeah, I, you know, live for God. But the reason why he says that's the prescription, that's the cure, is because we don't do that. No, we don't do that. When we pray, it's my kingdom come, my will be done. You see, we, we make ourselves bigger, and we minimize God. We want to be the center of our kingdom, our universe, and have the small God be part of it rather than having a big God and us be part of him. At the core of it all, anxiety is pride. It's pride because pride says, think about yourself. Think about um, what is best for you. And anxiety is pride because you can't help but to think how things will affect you. Furthermore, you have this big plan in your life, whatever it may be, you're so sure they have to go exactly as you planned it, that if it doesn't go your way, you are anxious and you start blaming people. Friends, some of you have been anxious for years. Haven't found peace yet. 
Some of you guys have been living a hopeless life, haven't found joy. Some of you guys have been living a purposeless, purposeless life, really found, didn't really find meaning. Some of you guys, you guys have been coming to church for years, yet you still don't know Jesus. If you don't see Jesus, if he's not becoming bigger in your life, the Bible tells us that you're going you're gonna to crash. That your life will unravel when things get really bad, and you're never going to be free from these anxieties. The Bible says we have to trust God, but we don't want to. Our face is constantly headed in the wrong direction. We are stuck falling with nothing that will save us. So the only way, friends, the only way for us to be saved if somebody gives us his parachute. Jesus saw that you were falling, that we were falling. So he came down from heaven above, gave us his parachute so that he will crash if we might be saved. That's why Jesus was anxious in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew 26, he said, he, you know, I thought that was the great paradox. I mean, in our passage, he says, don't worry. But why was he worried in the Garden of Gethsemane? It's because he knew what he was going to go through. Friends, you and I were anxious because we don't know if our nightmare was, our biggest nightmare is going to become a reality. Jesus knew. Jesus knew what he's going to have to go through. Jesus knew, and he was all alone. He took his friends to the Garden of Gethsemane, asking him to pray for him, but they fell asleep. The weight of the world was on his shoulder, but nobody could comfort him. Nobody could support him. He was sweating blood, and he was sick because he knew what he had to go through. Jesus knew that he would have to be buried so that you and I would be the fruit that the Holy Spirit reaps, and our Heavenly Father would put our name in the heaven. Jesus knew in order for us to be saved, he had to take off his righteousness, his parachute, for us to be saved. Jesus knew all of this. That's why he was, he was praying, God, please, please, I don't want this. If there's any other way, please take this cup away from me. But Jesus' great faith led him to pray after each time, not by my will. Your, your will. <laughs> what a great savior. What great faith. What love. Jesus, the greatest treasure in heaven, was not treated as valuable so that you and I could be treated as valuable. If you ever wonder what values there in my life I can't have, what satisfies me, what fills me up, look at the cross. Look at how much he gave you what he sacrificed for you, how much he values you, what more do you need? See, the greatest paradox, friends, is not that Jesus was anxious, it's, it's that our faith, our misplaced faith led us to our anxiety, but Jesus, his great faith led him to the cross. And the beautiful thing about what he did for us is that our salvation is not based on how strongly we hold on to Jesus, but how faithfully he holds on to us. Look at the cross. You can trust him. You can see 
that he loves you. Because your only path to peace that really liberates you from your anxiety is trusting in God. How do you trust God? You have to constantly engage with him in your anxieties through your prayer and by meditating on the word. That's the only way. To the degree that you believe this will be to the degree you find peace. Let me explain. Let's say that someone, uh, you, you heard that somebody is talking bad about you and you're anxious about what people may view, how people may view you, what they might think of you. To the degree that you know that God loves you because he knows all your dirt anyways and still say I love you, to the degree you believe that will be to the degree you find peace. I mean, the king of the universe is for me. They got nothing on Jesus. It will give you peace. Let's say that you are stuck between decisions because life is all about decisions. And a lot of time we're anxious because we're stuck. We don't know what the right path is. If the criteria uh, for making your decision is all on what is best for you, you're going to be anxious because you don't know what's best for you. But the criteria for making your decision is seeking God's kingdom first and his righteousness, then it really doesn't matter. Why? Because if honoring God is your first criteria and it's what, is, what, is basing, what you are basing your decisions on, then he will be with you every step of the way. You can make your decision in peace and stuff. But, you know, it's, life is not always so easy, right? If you have a hard time, well, thank God, God gave us a community group. Come through on Wednesdays and Thursdays, we'll talk about it. All right? Lastly, let's say that things don't go well. Let's say that our worst nightmare actually becomes a reality. All right, whatever it is, COVID coming back. You know, you're not getting into that job promotion. You're getting fired. Maybe you lose somebody in your family. Whatever it is that you're anxious about, let's, let's say that becomes a reality. If you really trust God, the fact that his will will be done will comfort you. Why? Because his will will be done. God's will will be done for good. It may be different from what you think, what you hope for, but he knows what you need more than you. One of my favorite preachers, Tim Keller, said it better. He said, God will either give us what you asked for, what you prayed for, or he's going to give you what you would have prayed for and asked for if you knew everything he knew. Friends, seek the kingdom of God first. Seek first Jesus and all these things will be added to you. Peace. Allow me to share one last thing, and let's enjoy our Sabbath. Verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Our life is filled with uncertainties. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's why we're so anxious. Jesus promises that many tomorrows from now, he's going to come back. And he's going to undo everything. All the bad. There will be no more tears, no more sorrows, no more, no more pain. But 
He doesn't leave you alone today. See, Jesus, when he died and he resurrected, the first thing he said to the disciples when he, when he came to them was, peace be with you. It's because peace can only come in the presence of God. So when Jesus went up, the Holy Spirit came down, and if you believe in him, he dwells in you. Friends, today, will you trust Jesus? Today, will you believe? Because my hope and my prayer is that peace be with you.